Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Since Christ is risen, we know that we also will rise. And, and Paul says to us, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. This is our text. What in the world? Sometimes that's our reaction to things that, uh, that surprise or puzzle us. What in the world is she up to anyway? Or what in the world was that? Can't you just imagine Mary Magdalene saying those words at the, the tomb on Easter morning? First when she noticed that the, the stone was rolled away but didn't know what was going on. And, and then later when, when Jesus said her name, Mary. What in the world? Or Jesus' other disciples later in the day when, he, when they were told that he had risen and, and then when they saw him with their own eyes. What in the world? That thought came to me a few weeks ago as I was listening to, uh, to one of the sermons in our recent uh, weekend Lenten series where we explored the remarkable truth that God still loves the world. It was a great series, and I certainly thank our pastoral team for their outstanding work on that. Of course, Lent leads to Easter, and the Lenten series leads to the Easter question, what in the world? You know, we can make two questions out of the one. What? In the world? Okay, I'm no actor. What I was trying to convey with those two questions is a, a sense of amazement. First, at, at what happened, somebody rose from the dead. And also, where it happened in our dark, evil, sinful world. Now, of course, a lot more had happened than, than Jesus rising from the dead as if, as if that wouldn't be enough. But, but actually, I think you could make a case for that being the easy part. That the more impressive miracles had already happened 30-some years ago when Jesus entered our world or, or, or three days before Easter when Jesus hung on the cross. Think of it. Jesus came into our world. Perhaps a recent phenomenon can help us to grasp the enormity of that. It happened a few weeks ago when Frankenmuth emptied out for spring break. Of course, the people who left then were just following the example of the snowbirds who had deserted us several months earlier. But over spring break, everybody was gone. Well, not quite everybody. Some of us had to remain behind to keep the town going while the rest of you were, were running around and, and having a great time. <laughs> oh, do I sound bitter? <laughs> well, of course I'm not. Uh, 
Welcome back. We're glad to have you home. But here's the point. Where did you go on spring break or for longer if you were able? I'm guessing it was somewhere south. Warm, comfortable, sunny, pleasant, away from the cold, the snow, and the wind. Now, why would I think that? Was it because of all the Facebook posts? Well, that could be one reason, but, but even without them, it wouldn't have been too hard to figure out, right? We want to go to places where we feel comfortable and welcome. Comfortable. Welcome. Two words that definitely do not describe Jesus' experience in our world. Let's actually dig into this a little deeper. Suppose you had planned to go on spring break, but, but right before you left, you discovered that the resort where you were supposed to stay had become infested with bed bugs. Would you still go there? Yeah, I know, that's a dumb question. But that would be a walk in the park compared to what Jesus experienced here. And what he knew in advance was going to happen. And he still came into our world. Where he lived and served and died. Here. In this world. What? In the world? Exactly. In the world that was filled with sin and, and with hatred towards him. The world that killed him. But could not defeat him. Or destroy him. Now think of that. The, the worst that the world can do to a person, it did to Jesus. It killed him. But he didn't stay dead. He walked out of the tomb into which his lifeless body had been carried. That's what in the world he did. Or maybe we should say that's what he did in the world. Our world. The world in which we live. The world to which he sends us. Although that might sound like just the opposite of what St. Paul says in this morning's epistle lesson. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So which is it? Focus our attention on the things above or on what's going on right here? It's not either or. Jesus calls us to do both. Jesus calls us to apply those things from above to what is happening here below. Because he still loves the world. Even though the world still does not love him back. Because he still loves the world, he leaves us in the world to love the world as he does in such a way as to change the world 
But there's a risk with that. The risk is that just the opposite could happen. That the world could change us. And so St. Paul gives us the admonition to seek the things that are above. Like Jesus did. Because his heart was set on obeying the will of his Father, Jesus offered himself on the altar of the cross. You know, his disciples didn't get it at first. They viewed his suffering and death through blurred vision and, and with faulty reasoning because their focus was on the wrong things. It was on, on things below. As a result, they thought that Jesus had made a terrible, tragic mistake. He knew better. His mind was on things above. He knew that it's never a mistake to hear and to obey the voice of God. Oh yeah, he was crucified because he had submitted to God's holy will. But he was also raised to life for that very same reason. None of that is the way of the world. The world wants to skip Good Friday and go straight to Easter, straight to the celebration. Jesus knew there couldn't be Easter without Good Friday. And of course, we know that, that Good Friday without Easter would have been the greatest tragedy the world had ever experienced. You need both. The world doesn't believe that. The world wants no part of, of suffering or sacrifice or submission or selflessness. The world seeks glory and pleasure and comfort. Eh, things that sound pretty good to us, too, don't they? That's, we, that's why we must always remind ourselves that, that those things, as, as tempting as they are, are not from above. So what is? Those things which God in His grace gives to us and which God also in His grace asks us to give to the world. I'm talking about such things as love, joy, peace, hope. God shares with us his love for us. Love that is so intense that, that he was willing to die for us. And, and that's so constant that, that nothing can separate us from it. He sends us into the world to declare that love to the world and to share that love with the world. Because from God's love flows joy. Joy that no momentary sorrow can permanently erase. Oh, I know that there are, there are many things that can temporarily and sometimes greatly reduce our joy, but nothing can totally remove it. Or the peace that accompanies joy. The peace that comes from trusting God, counting on Him to forgive our sins, as many or as large, or as small as they are. Because of Jesus, we don't have to wonder if God will forgive our sins or, or worry what will happen if he won't. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have any doubts or fears, because we do. We all do. But we don't really have to. God is trustworthy. That means we can trust him, counting on him to do as he says. Setting our minds on things above means setting them on God. And when we're able to do that, his peace floods our lives and fills our hearts. We have a great example of, of that on, on Easter. At first, the disciples were filled with fear because they were focusing their attention on earthly things, on, on what had happened to Jesus and, and what might happen to them. When Jesus rose and, and it became clear what in the world had, had actually occurred, their fear vanished. It had been replaced with the peace of God, which overcomes fear. A peace that is beyond understanding or, or explanation, which must be experienced to be known. That peace comes to us when we set our minds on God. In a sense, we become addicted to God's peace. The more we experience it, the more we crave it. But unlike most addictions, which are, are harmful and, and many times fatal, being addicted to the peace of Christ is the healthiest thing that can happen to us. Most addictions bring despair and hopelessness. Our addiction to Christ's peace brings just the opposite. It brings an incredible sense of hope into our lives because Easter is about hope. It's about what we have to look forward to in this world and in the world to come. This past Christmas, I received a, a book uh, that, for me anyway, helps to, uh, to illustrate that point. Its title is, What's Your Story? And briefly, it's a, it's a compilation of pages that have been written anonymously by people in response to the, to the question that makes the title of the book, What's Your Story? It's a tough book to read. It's taking me quite a while. I'm only about halfway through it. There's two reasons for that. Number one, it's photocopies of uh, what people wrote, and, and some people have pretty poor handwriting. But the main reason it's taking me so long to do it is that it's quite depressing. In the foreword to the book that uh, the, the author wrote, he makes the claim that these stories reveal the human condition. And he's absolutely correct about that. In fact, I have a feeling that's a truer statement than he probably realized when he wrote it. While some of the stories there are, are lighthearted and humorous, most of them record feelings of despair, anxiety, abandonment, hopelessness. That's the human condition. That's the world in which we live. The world to which Christ sends us. A world 
that desperately needs hope. But guess what? What the world needs, we have. (laughs) What in the world? Or how about hope for the world in Christ? He's risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. And the peace and the love and the joy and the hope of Christ fill your hearts today and every day. Amen.